Hello, Mepper's our old friends. We've come to Mep with you again. Because the emu is not flying. And our Garfunkel is not dying. Everyone knows that we've got some jokes to tell. We might as well. Mep report. Better than silence. Left my home back in Omaha. See if I can make it out in the world. And I got as far as Wichita. Suddenly I wasn't sure. Anymore Lost all my friends In Los Angeles And I'm not welcome In New York But I must stop Back in Omaha Where the fans They always crying out For more Alright, in that case Welcome to Mepaport number 119, March 26, 2010. What is up? I don't know why Clay's trying to eat the mic. Oh, right. Are those sirens in your apartment, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean police cars. Stop eating the mic. What do you mean, like Odyssean sirens? Like. <laughs> This is our fault because before the show started, Russ and I were starting to talk about baseball, and Clea all of a sudden started to bang her forehead against the microphone. I'm, I'm assuming because that is a uh, you know former ritual rite approving of the conversation. If you really like something, um, because Clea is part Winnebago Indian, and one of the rituals was to bang your head against the speaker's staff if you approved of their conversation. So I'm sure that's what was happening. This head pain makes me happy soul. Thank you, Bangy. Um, yeah, Clea, that's the exact same reaction that I give when two people start talking about American Idol, like Minutia. Like, oh, who oh cares? God. He's oh going to make God. the quarterfinals and sell two albums and shoot Speaking himself in the face. Speaking of American Idol. <laughs> oh, now you've done it, Russ. Oh, God. Now Russ bangs his head against my good job. So I thought, I, I saw, like, the way that I hear about news is I open Yahoo!, before and before Yahoo. I go to before I go to MSN, I see like a picture and I think, oh, it looks interesting. Maybe I should see what's going on in the world. And I saw this, this supposed like controversy with one of the people in American Idol. So I so I set my TiVo to record one episode, one episode of this season's American Idol. And which episode does it record, Greg? Uh, it records the episode where they're doing the Rolling Stone tribute. Which are you going to are you going to imply that there's like one especially bad episode of American Idol? Look, no, I'm going to imply that I hate Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones, oh, yeah. Okay. It, and every song that we were like, wow, these performances are really flat and boring. I wonder why. Oh, because it's the Rolling Stones, all of whose songs are flat and boring and annoying. That's that's why. Oh, I am I am humbled and and embarrassed to admit that I am familiar with the episode of American Idol where they had to cover the Rolling Stones because oh, really do you have a girlfriend that's possibly my my girlfriend was possibly watching that here oh really and all I remember is Ellen DeGeneres who is now on every show on every channel on every network who is of course now on the panel of American Idol and has nothing yes. to say to anyone on any subject until she can't speak intelligently to anything but she just has to insert her opinion I mean, okay, I guess this is sort of par for the course for commentators everywhere now that nobody knows anything, but everyone wants to insert their opinion into the discourse. And so Ellen's like, well, you tried hard, but, you know, you almost did it and great job and says nothing. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And then everyone else blows smoke up their ass. And then Simon Cowell says something mean. And that's the formula that they've decided to go with for however many years. It does feel like American Idol's kind of tired. I mean, maybe that's just I me. Just, I but think it's over. I, I think mean, Simon Cowell's leaving. It's like, you know, yeah. it's done. It's run its course. It's produced enough crappy pop artists. I don't think we need, you know, to have more of them being produced. I don't know about that. I mean, I think it's done some nice stuff. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, maybe that's not true. I mean, there's been seasons where I've like, oh my God, it's still going on. And then we had last season, which was, you know, 
pretty good. So, but see, part of the problem is that why, and we were, I think we may have mentioned this before. Why is it all these new shows now have each season last like ten episodes, and there's like four of them a year? Yeah. I swear to God, like we we like to show Leverage on TNT, and Leverage has I think six episodes, and there's like and the end of the season. I'm like, what? You just got started a month ago, and then two months are like the new season of Leverage. Like, what are you talking about? What happened to one season a year? It's a season. Like, it's the everybody's way. running out of money. Yeah, they don't have money. They don't, don't have money to put it in for a long season, so they just so you do, just do four times as many. Seasons? They edge their bets. Well, oh, yeah, because, because it, it's more flexible. Yeah, that way they could not come back with a third season if they don't want to. Mm. Well, maybe that could be. Actually, did you see that twenty four? Uh, they just announced is this is its last season, so there will be no more. Uh, uh, another 24. another phenomenon has come and gone without me watching one episode. Actually, sure, another Fox here, phenomenon. Here. Well, no, I actually saw one because a friend of mine got me the DVD, which was evil. So it meant that I watched all 24 shows. I was like, and that's the only one that I've ever seen. What was, was that other season. big thing that I never saw? The one with the, Lost. That one? But there's another one, too. Um, um, the mob people. Found. Oh. Found? Uh, the Sopranos. <laughs> yeah, I never watched The Sopranos either. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's because I was like, no, I'm really not interested in more glorification of criminals from New Jersey. No, thanks. I caught on late in the game on The Sopranos, but I definitely uh, Greg, uh, got you- into that at the end. Did, did you, you just say, Greg, that the reason that I didn't get into Sopranos was because you didn't like it? No, no, I wasn't saying that. I was but, saying that's, that I was gr- agreeing said. with you that I didn't like it either. <laughs> and I no. said, no wife of mine is going to have access to this kind of glorification of violence. And, you remember uh, you tried to turn on the TV the and I'm like, slap the remote out of your hand. I was like, put that down. <laughs> I'm, honey, turn it to American Idol right now. No, I wasn't saying about be you. The same person, okay? I was I, saying, I was saying for me too. This is the same reaction. That, that's I nice, had. but but I was talking about for me. That you're like, let me talk I, about me. So do you want you don't want, want me to agree with you? You just wanted me to like you know. No, I, that's fine. We do not watch The Sopranos in this house. Nor do we watch Lost <laughs> in this house. Nor do we dine between the hours of three p.m. <laughs> you know, another one too is Heroes. I've never seen Heroes. Yeah, me neither. Go go. Clea. Now, come on, Russ. You're not the same person as Clea. Just because she I'm doesn't not, watch it doesn't mean oh, you I just, have to not watch it. I mean, I just hate TV in general. Um, I actually, <laughs> oh, well, that's not me. <laughs> I, a huge I coup in I my household TV. was calling up the cable company this week and sort of haranguing them to give me the the MLB network, the Major League Baseball network, because that's the uh, only television station I'd ever wanted or cared right, about. Right. Um, and they're just like, oh, yeah, we'll switch over your, your HD package to a variety package. And I'm like, does that mean I'll get less HD channels? They're like, no, you get more HD channels. And I'm like, well, that makes lots of sense. I'll take the non-HD package for more HD channels that includes the one that I actually want. Well, it's more expensive, though, right? Is it no, or no? It's the same price. It was just switching out the tier for another tier, which had more channels in it. I think the reason is initially the HD tier was its own tier when there were like seven HD channels and I'd left that intact and now there are a hundred HD channels and they couldn't all be in the HD tier or you would just get every channel being in that tier and that wouldn't be fair to other tiers. This is like the AOL thing. They're like, we treasure you. You have been with us since 1935 before there was HD or even TV. And so you're used to be like a dozen HD channels and that's all. And now everything is, you know, why? And then I got spoiled and I was like, why even watch it if it's not an HD? And I would only watch 12 channels, which probably contributed to me never watching television because I didn't care. You're like, yes. wow, did you check out the new Discovery Channel show? Everyone's yeah, like, what? Yeah, so far we've just noted two ways that, that Russ and I differ. One, he doesn't like TV, when obviously I have a really bad TV addiction. And two, he only watches HD, where I continue to frustrate Greg by watching things that I could be watching in HD. In standard not definition. Not in HD, because it really does not make a difference. It makes a huge... She's, she's, so she's drunk. She's drunk. She's drunk. There's no other way. A difference it makes a difference Welcome to the Letterbox Show. We've cropped this for your enjoyment, so everything is squished and smaller than your screen. Thank you. HD is... It does make a big difference. You know, but I was reminded... This actually reminded me because we are talking about this uh, everything in HD thing, and there's a big thing on Yahoo, speaking of that, that t- uh, talks about that movie theater chains are going to impose steep price hikes, which I find hilarious since they're doing that because no one is going to movie theaters, so this that is clearly is going to help. Bill, isn't it? Uh, yeah, <laughs> no doubt, which is destroying the world. <laughs> I heard Armageddon. According to the Republicans, Armageddon's already here, and we missed it. But um, oh, the thing that this, I wanted to bring Russ, up about that. No, I want to ask Russ's opinion on this. Russ, I think that 3D is a waste of time. Well, that's what I was going to bring up. <laughs> See, I was just about to say that. I was about to ask All about right, 3D. All right, same person. I'll every, answer your same question. Every film is 3D. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to ask it in a more personal fashion and that I really don't like so 3D. I'm no, just kidding. Yours is um, just like I'm this just random kidding. generic question. <laughs> 
What do you Mine feel about 3D? Mine is the 3D, 3D well, killed my father, and I want to know if you like it, Russ. <laughs> do you like 3D to kill the father? Do enjoy depth. Having hide and width can get quite <laughs> tired. Um, I think that Avatar would not have existed as a phenomenon if it weren't for HD, so... I'm sure James I'm not talking 3D. about HD. I'm talking 3D. about 3D. Not HD. 3D. Get HD off the brain. I mean, 3D. Kid. Sorry. Other D. <laughs> New dimensions. HD. Dimensions. HD. Dimensions. Um, Russ lived in Flatland until they introduced HD to him. And then, wait a minute. I that tried reading sense. that book and I just couldn't read it. It was too boring. Moon and Because it's in two dimensions, man. Mm-hmm. Do you think a Moon and Night and a Meta Night would have it? Never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, 3D, I think, has always been cheesy and useless, except in Avatar. I thought the by far the best part of Avatar was their judicious use of 3D so that you oh, felt immersed in the world, disagree. but every oh, shot wasn't like an arrow being shot out of a bow at your head because that's the only 3D things flying at you, and that's the mm-hmm. only time you can ever be immersed is when like things are flying at you, and I thought Avatar <laughs> did a great job of avoiding the cliche. I see, okay. Use. Interesting. I see, okay. Well, maybe uh, I would agree with that, but I just don't want to wear these stupid glasses. I just don't like. I mean, for, I just don't think it's. First of all, I think it's pointless, and I love that Cameron, like, apparently is now yelling at people about 3D. Like, one, I, I just, for one thing, of course, it continues the push towards you know spectacle over actual story, which is something I will always reject. Is that like a really good pun, Greg? Spectacle. Ah, very cute. <laughs> very spectacles over story. That's very cute. And and of course, I don't mean our currently not here uh, MEP member story, but uh-huh. like. You know, so for one thing, I don't like that. And then the second thing is I just feel like a lot of 3D, it's almost, and maybe this is what Cameron meant, it's just like, and now everything's in three dimensions. I'm like, but my life is in three dimensions. Like, I'm watching the movie because it has all these cool action scenes. Like, why do I, you know what I mean? Like, why do I need, I don't understand why I leave life and it's like, now enter life again. But what? You know, so I don't know. Um, Seems pointless to me. I think uh, part of the 3D experience that may have – remember when we were reporting that um, like fans of Avatar would go through this dysphoric thing that they felt like they couldn't yes. live at, with the Navi and therefore they didn't want to live on planet Earth? Yep. Uh, I think part of – I mean other than that people are morons, uh, the part of what might have caused this phenomenon is that watching the movie in 3D actually affects your brain differently than watching an ordinary movie on a flat screen because really? since you have to well, – this is my own theory. I've not read anything about this. But since you have to like process what you're seeing in different depths, then your brain is reading the information far differently than when it's all on a flat screen. And so that extra level of immersiveness probably makes you remember – the movie differently like it's stored in different parts of your brain than any other movie would have been and i think that that might have contributed to the the extra level of devotion of fans to this movie that's interesting that's interesting yeah maybe so and that might explain why you know my reaction to the 3d was i was very underwhelmed by it and i thought that by far the more technically impressive thing was the facial expressions. You know, I just found, like, I was like, yes, beautiful, immersive world. Saw it in Lord of the Rings. Thanks. Move on. Um, <laughs> but that was my reaction. But, like, I think a lot of people were just like, I've never seen a more beautiful world. And and, and I, maybe that's maybe that's what it was. I don't know. I mean, in truth, part of this also may be that, it, for me, this was not the case for Clea, but for me, um, I had a little bit of a headache going into that movie anyway. So I didn't spend a lot of time. I mean, it's weird. It's like, I don't, I, this is going to sound very odd, I'm not necessarily a big fan of being utterly immersed in a movie. I know that's going to sound really strange, but I don't. I kind of like being able to sort of break out of something at any time if I want to. Because you're a control freak. <laughs> well, maybe, but or because I'm a. I don't know. Maybe something like that. I mean, I guess maybe it's just because these things do their job so well. This is why I hate horror movies because horror movies do their job. Like they freak me out, they scare me, and I hate them for that reason. Like I don't mm-hmm. like being scared. So I hate horror movies, and maybe that's just because they do their job very well. So maybe that's part of it also. Like, I mean, as much as I love things like the Lord of the Rings films, you know, I don't know. I was able to I, – I was – I enjoyed the story. I was swept up in the story, but I didn't feel like I was visually drawn into the world such that, you know, like you say, like I'm there while an orc is throwing an axe at my head. Like I don't think I want an orc throwing an axe at my head, honestly. I think maybe I will uh, posit that you – also liked Lord of the Rings because you knew the story beforehand, so you weren't as as immersive and wonderfully shot as it was. You weren't going to walk into a scene where something devastatingly unexpected would happen. I think that's and quite possible. Play with your emotions, and you just knew that it was the story that you already liked, and then you could just play it out in this to- in this more immersive and mm-hmm. you know director. That makes sense to me. Way. 
Yeah, I think that's true. And that, that fits with Clea's reaction, I think, because uh, Clea had this moment in Fellowship of the Ring where she, after uh, Gandalf falls in the pit, I remember Clea, you know, we left the movie and Clea's like, well, you know, what happens to him? And I mean, you know, that was really what happens to Gandalf and all that. And she was really kind of, you know, shaken up a little bit by it because she had never or, you know, she didn't remember much about the Fellowship of the Ring. If you Had you even read it by then? I don't remember if you had. No. So she was kind of shaken up by that whole reaction. Um you know, and so I that cried. Was, yeah, that's what he's trying. So to say. that was that was you know so that was very powerful for for her. And I think you're right. I think I'm a little bit. I don't. Always I also like cried that. at batteries not included. <laughs> well, I mean, there you know. Um, Hang on, the the L.A. riot sequels happening outside. I'm going to close my window. <laughs> Who cares about your lives? Okay. <laughs> But, I mean, I like Batman Begins, and I hadn't seen that before. You know, I was very impressed by that, and I was very impressed by Star Trek, the movie. But I think you're right. There may be something where I, I'm, I'm I always want to really hedge like my bets a little bit. You, you, do, you overlook things, but when you don't like something, you become a little whiny bee. And you say, <laughs> I don't like this. This makes me scared. And then you don't want to see it. But if it's something like Iron Man or this last <laughs> Batman, which I heard was really, you know, black and disturbing... You somehow like it and thought it was. A I great liked movie. it only because, well, but the reason I liked that was because I really liked the first Batman Begins a lot. Right again, so like, but I didn't like the first. Positive... But I didn't like the Batman Begins necessarily. Go- it wasn't like I was like, I love everything about Batman. I liked Batman as a superhero from when I was a kid, I guess. But it wasn't like I must go see Batman Begins because everything Christian Bale does, I love. And he's a great actor. Like, I- no, but I, I don't think the first movie was upsetting as the second one. But you overlooked things, and I think you... Right, but that's what I'm saying. I saw the first one. It wasn't upsetting. I loved the connection between the father and son. I loved the acting. And so then I did like it. So then when I wanted to see The Dark Knight, you're probably right. Right. But but that wasn't in play in the first movie is what I'm saying. Yeah, and I wasn't saying it was... If you want to draw Greg Wilson in, here's the answer. If you want to draw Greg in, you need to make a non-upsetting first movie. And then I'm with you. Then you can upset me as much as you want for movies that follow. Well, but that didn't work for... um, No, see, but that's not true if you're dealing with teenage angst and goop. Because you did not like... Uh, Harry Potter, the goop. second Harry Potter. Define goop. Uh, slimy. Gore. Slimy. Oh, okay. There's goop oh, I didn't like Harry the Potter. second one. Yes. Oh, but With, that's like horrible. slugs. He vomits up slugs or something. Oh, well, that's because... <laughs> Harry Potter's calling you right now. That's, that's the you. L.A. riots. Ross, you can't shut us out. <laughs> Don't I know. even try. Ross, it's L.A. Why are you close the window? <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> Why is it that we never have a problem with our phones ringing? Nobody calls us. <laughs> I guess it's because it's early. It's later in the. That's true. Nobody calls us at ten twenty. But no, it probably is because we don't have any. any no, other we get, that's not true. We had like five phone calls today from people. Yeah, but it was on our who? cell phones. You had like two calls from um, who? Melissa and then somebody else. I don't remember who the other person was. I had a call Pharmacy from or something. Right, and I had a call from the guy at the Goodyear, and I had a call from um, <laughs> the guy that has our car. My agent, I think I, he called me, and I don't think you got a call from your agent. I had a phone call from somebody else. We didn't receive any calls. I think we actually called yes. those people. What? What did I miss? I you made it talk. back. No. So um, we're just talking about how our life sucks. So the the goop thing. <laughs> but see, the, the thing I about Harry Potter too. That. Greg just denies that it sucks. The thing about the second Harry Potter positive, is that unless he goes to a horror flick, then then know. I'm not positive. But that was the thing about the second Harry Potter is I didn't like the book, the second Harry Potter book particularly. That was my least favorite of the Harry Potter. So of course I wasn't uh, going to like the movie. That I was see. okay. You know, I didn't even see the second Harry Potter because I wasn't interested in the book. Oh, you didn't even go to it. No. No. Oh, that's right. My favorite Harry Potter was the Azkaban movie, which I haven't seen just because for some reason I haven't seen it. That's you, know. you just don't go to the movie theaters unless it's really important to you. Unless it, yeah, that's probably true. Greg said something so funny today when we were walking to pick up our car. He said, "There's all these movies coming out soon." I said, "Good movies." No, I did. Said, I said, "Good movies." movies. No, you heard me say you movies because it's all you these movies hear. coming out. Regardless, okay, fine. Let's say let's say you said there's all these good movies coming out soon. It's still funny because the fact is that there's all, there's always like some Robin Hood, going, Prince of Persia. <laughs> it's good in his eyes. It's interesting in his eyes. Iron Man Two. I like I like any MEP listener to I defy any MEP listener to tell me that Prince of Persia and uh, you know Iron Man Two is not going to be good. I mean, okay, maybe Robin Hood's going to be terrible because Russell Crowe is not going to get Why it done. Why are they doing maybe. Robin Hood again? Because it's Russell Crowe. So he's going to say, are you not entertained in a British accent? And he's going to shoot an arrow. Wasn't it just done within the last decade? No, this is before the whole Sherwood Forest bit. Oh, another prequel. This is like Robin Hood, the reboot. Oh, gosh. But they never did more than just the first Robin Hood in the first place. 
So this is why he decides to rob from the rich and give to the poor? Right, exactly. It sets it up. Plus, Ridley Scott is the one directing it, and that's pretty cool. Who's he? Ridley Scott. Yeah. He did a lot of good... Um, a lot of good things? Like, yeah. <laughs> You're going to go to Wikipedia. I don't you? remember off the top of my head what he did, but did a lot of good things. No, that's going to give you a trailer, Greg. That's fine. I'm not going to actually it's not play gonna it. not going to give you... Look, see, there's Robin Hood right there. Wait, wait, go down. Who's... And Kate Blanchett's in it. Oh. Russ, you have no comment about this? Kate, you know, how about Kate for still going? Isn't she up to like 40 by now or something? How old is she? Uh, she's, uh... How is this a prequel when he looks old as dirt? He's not old as dirt. R- Russ has left us behind, clearly. Hello? I mean, come on. Hello? Oh, hey. Hey, there he is. Hey, I've Where'd been commenting for like 10 minutes and nobody responds to anything. <laughs> That's the first I heard you. And we like, just, I'm like, we just eh, figured well, the L.A. That riots finally play. got you. Oh, well, I guess nobody cared about that. Like, hey, <laughs> hello! All right, let's, let's resurrect your comments. So you were saying? I don't remember all of them. <laughs> so. Um, um, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it's so hard to imagine what the plot of a movie that could convince someone later in life or in a sequel to the movie that they should rob from the rich and give to the poor. Like, that's so hard to conceive. Oh, you were screwed over by a rich guy and you found <laughs> the wonderful warmness of poor people. The end. Move on to the real movie. Like, how hard is that? That's not something that's really suspenseful. We wonder. Is that Russell Crowe? Yeah, that is Russell Crowe. Look at how old he is. Well, he he's, looks really old. He's doing, he's doing you know. As a so seven-year-old you- Robin Hood. Do you think you think that Russell Crowe? Uh, do you think Russell Crowe's Robin Hood? Like, is this a necessary role, Russ, for him to play to really make it into you know, to really it, make like it Robin America, Hood? Tim, what do you mean to make it? Where's well, the you know, because because like I think Russell Crowe's opinion sometimes is that a character's not done until he's acted it. So oh. you know, oh, hence the title Crowe gets the shaft in Robin Hood," <laughs> says the news article. What? what <laughs> that's what I mean. mean. That sort of thing. Like, you know, r- like maybe Russell Crowe is a little bit of an ego. I guess that's the point that I'm making. And uh, oh. I thought you meant Brandon Lee for a second. But the, anyway, see. The, crow, the dead crow. Oh. Yeah, the actual that's crow. That's so sad. But I mean, so you, so basically you think this is just a tri- an ego trip for him and there's no particular reason for him to do this. Uh, Robin Hood? I don't, I mean, the the whole industry has is, is just given up. They they just they, they mailed it in for the, that's it. They're like, "What do you want? All right, let's make another Karate Kid movie." And then somebody is just oh, slacking on like, "You can't make another Karate. There is a Karate Kid movie. It was just in the '80s. You can't remake a movie that's a classic from 20 years ago." He's like, "Yeah, whatever. I'll put Jackie Chan in it, and people will watch it, and we'll make." Money. Did they really do that? Yeah, they did. Do you think what? Do you think Jackie Ma- Chan Park- is Mr. Miyagi, and you know who yeah. Daniel no. Sun is? No, no, Will no. Smith's kid. Jaden no, no, no. Yeah, it's no, true. No. It's also true. I told you about this. But but let me no. ask you, may, maybe yeah. what this is, Russ, the party. maybe oh this is God. the whole, maybe this is left over from the whole writer's strike. Maybe they just literally ran out of scripts for a while. You know they what I mean? Writers, they ran out of everything. They ran out of money. This is what happens. First, you run out of money. Then you run out of ideas because ideas cost money. And then you're left with all of these empty movie theaters begging you for more reels to put on their screen so that everyone doesn't lose their job at once. They're like, okay, um, well, how about uh, Percy Jackson and the land of Greek mythology? Like, what's that? Well, it's a children's story about the son of Poseidon and it's like Harry Potter. Okay. Right. We'll do it. But that's my point is like I think that this this may be, you know, the writer's strike happened. And so, you know, a couple of years afterwards is when we were really going to see the impact of it because there was a whole however many months where there were no new scripts coming into production. You know, I, I, bet, I just be... think of it as the decline of Western civilization rather than attribute <laughs> it to this one thing. Perhaps. I, just, I think people are just generally dumber and you know what I think this is. I think this is that Will and Jada, they have a son who's into karate and he said to them, Mommy, Daddy, I want to be Karate Kid. And they said, okay, honey, we'll make the movie. I think that's all this is. This is like a pony. I want a pony! Yes. <laughs> well, you're happy to be in the financial position to give you a pony. So how do you like that? Take a pony. <laughs> I think that's exactly it. what this is. That's what they said. Like, and we all, have to, we all have to take the pony up the... Uh, moving on. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jeez. And then because... rape the pony. Why rape the pony? <laughs> because Jesus. the last. No, I'm saying the pony is raping us. It's actually Equus. All of a sudden, it's a remake of Equus. <laughs> yeah, but like... this, is, this is part of it. It's like now you have to have Jackie Chan at your house for the next six months. That's the pony. <laughs> it's like 
I don't want to play with Jackie Chan. Well, somebody's got to play with Jackie Chan. We've hired him. He's here. Uh, he's not going to play with himself. He's in the air vents again. Oh, Jackie Chan. <laughs> why, is there, why are there all these wires attached to the ceiling? Oh, Jackie. Chan. A crazy you Jackie. Done. That was a television antenna. Oh, sorry. I, I mean, make a <laughs> I mean, well, I mean. I thought Jackie Chan's thing was that he didn't use wires towards the end, like now. Like no, in he's, his, he's a real his, human now. His whole thing was like using the Jackie environment, Chan? not using wires. Well, I thought that was his whole thing. Like that's what he put down other karate films is because they use wires, and he he. You know, and then, but it's funny because he got to start doing films of that kind. And then put him down saying, you know, if I wanted to, like, fight a box, I could, too, or something. <laughs> Is like that, that what he said? That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. And said. then Jet Li was like, you know what? I actually was the karate champion of China when I was, like, 10 in China okay. with, so like, my, a billion uh, competitors. <laughs> <laughs> you know? My apocryphal story about Jackie Chan, which I would edit into his Wikipedia page if it doesn't already exist there, is that I heard that he used to be a stunt double for Bruce Lee, and that's how he became famous as this uh, veteran stunt double of Chinese action cinema. But he was never good-looking enough to even be considered for a starring role in anything. Okay. And then he went through like 17 plastic surgeries to try to make him more handsome, which is the Jackie Chan that we have now, which is still not good-looking at all. <laughs> I was going to say, what happened then? It lasted long enough. They, 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 everyone else died, and then they started giving him the starring roles in the action movies. Oh my god! They're like they fine. Nice he doesn't cause... look like he had plastic surgery. Well, I, you know, it's China, so I'm sure they didn't have the. So that's true. All you have to do is outlive the people that don't think you're good enough at X, Y, or Z, and eventually they'll be like, "All right, fine, have some major movies." Because there was a while where Jackie Chan was absolutely the man, Rumble in the Bronx, and a whole bunch of these things. And it was always there's sort of like between him and then Jet Li, and then everyone was like, "Wow, Jet Li is really ridiculously awesome," and Jackie Chan's just kind of fighting. <laughs> fighting a box line is hilarious. Yeah, well, that's... when you're you know when you're an athlete or an action star and you're first getting recognition at like the age of 45, you're going to have a pretty short shelf life that's true whereas jet Li had his recognition when he was like 13 and then they exactly. were like <laughs> and it's funny like when when americans get a hold of him i remember when they he first broke out was in lethal weapon whatever it was three or four or something like that and they were like wow this brand new rookie guy i'm like yeah only american arrogance assumes that this guy's a rookie when in fact he's been like this big shot in china and like you know film in hong kong and all that for a long time so so yeah i really want to find this put down but i can't find it i don't know how to look it up in google well, there was a time when Jet Li and Jackie Chan, I know, didn't get along. Right. I didn't know about that part specifically about the box, but Googling they were Yo sort Mama of... and Jackie Chan in the same box. In Chinese. Yo Mama in Chinese. <laughs> and then use the Google Chinese translator to Mandarin. <laughs> Not Chinese, she... to Mandarin, but English, yeah. She did that, and she got, who's the best fighter, Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, or Jet Li? Hmm. Yo Mama. Well, all of it's in uh, lowercase letters. The guy doesn't use any capital letters. That's a good sign. Who's better? It's on KGB.com. Who is better, Uh Jackie Chan or Chuck Norris? KGB says, we think that Chan would win. He spent 10 years of his life strictly dedicated to martial arts training. And that's why KGB is the stupidest company on the planet. (laughs) Are you drunk? Oh, wait, wait. Jackie Chan or Chuck Norris? Uh, I still think that's different. You didn't even pay attention to the question. I was so upset with KGB already. (laughs) But even so, I still don't think that makes sense because Chuck Norris was himself a world champion until Bruce Lee kicked his butt. How many many years did he train? Chuck Norris? He was like a legit... Guy, yeah, he's like a legit. Tr- well, I mean, I don't know how many trained? years, but well, of course he was. He has no acting skill or personality, so how else would he become famous if he wasn't like the best karate man in the world at some point? Yeah, no, I mean, but you know, then that was back in like 1970, and still Bruce Lee would have kicked his ass, and he still yeah, has no personality. But but Bre- the point is, Jackie and he's like Chan- an NRA spokesperson. He's crazy. Yeah, I know. Well, now he is. Well, the thing is that Jackie Chan was never. I mean, Jackie Chan was always like a fi- like like Russ just said, like a product of film. Like Jackie Chan was not some huge martial arts guy, and then he got into film. Whereas Jet Li and Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee this, this were major that, martial arts guys that then got into film. This is saying that Chan actually was... Yeah, but he did. didn't spend 10 years of his life dedicated to martial arts training. He spent 10 years of his life dedicated to film training with some martial arts work. Are you calling KGB a liar? Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am doing that, in fact. Okay. We think that Chan would win. I mean... Jackie Chan was doing... Jackie Chan's been doing this t- since... He's been make. He's been a... A lead character in yes, movies in since film. he was very young. Yeah, because he was doing film, but that's not the same thing. No, and that also that re- refutes my my story. Which right, I that's watch. what I'm saying, Greg. Ooh, <laughs> check this out, Greg. 
How could you say that's not hot? Look at that right there. Look at how young he is. He looks like he's 20s. Is his face melting back then, too? No, no he's wearing, he, however, a, he's a, not a, had, he's wearing a footloose shirt. Uh, he, is not, like, he has not had plastic surgery. Okay, so Russ doesn't all do what he's talking about. I told you it was apocryphal. I didn't, this is just what I hear on the Check internet. Check <laughs> Gung Fu? Is he, has, he has his own martial arts. It's called Gung Fu. Yeah, it's this brand new thing. No one's ever heard of it. It's called Kung Fu. No, Gung Fu. <laughs> Gung Fu martial arts. Gung Fu. Okay, look, Jackie Chan training, falling into your opponent. I think this is the problem. He's like, the way you win if you're Jackie Chan, fall into your opponent. Just well, fall he, on them. Because he does the whole comical thing. I know, the drunken master thing. I know that. But like, you lose master. immediately. You can't lose for real. If you fall <laughs> to your opponent. Fight is over. No one gets hurt. No one is better at losing before his opponent can beat him than Jackie Chan. He's lost countless fights of his own free will. Now I teach you Dragon swoon. Go. Dragon swoon. That's good. Mantis swoon. No. <laughs> now show me Lotus committing suicide. Bloom into the ground. Praying Mantis herself. Show it to me. What is going on with Lock this kid? own eyes. Oh, this is probably... Uh... Gouge old eyes. Yeah. Flying self dragon. No one wishes to fight masochistic, self-inflicted. <laughs> they all see it. They're like, I give up. It's like, well, it's like it's like the whole crazy guy method. You know, like if you if you're ever in a bad area of town, there's this theory that the way you sort of handle it is by acting so freaking nuts that everyone runs away. If you're like, oh, I'm crazy, I'm gonna punch myself in the face. Exactly. So that's what this whole theory is. Exactly. You know, I would never attack a man who can do much more damage to himself. <laughs> There's something wrong about that and immoral. <laughs> there is no honor in fighting someone who kills himself. I sense your self-loathing and hence will not engage in combat with you. You will see what? Want to fight? Hmm? Fight you! What do you mean, fight you? How does that mean? Do not project your childhood trauma onto me. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you think this will allow you to achieve your victory. But your victory can only be achieved through your own defeat. What? <laughs> <laughs> His original uh, name was Chan Kong Sang. Which means Chan beat yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Chan was born in 1954, the son of a poor couple who made their living by beating themselves up on the streets of Hong Kong. When he was born, his He's parents could 56. barely raise the money for the hospital bill. They were almost forced to adopt him out to the delivering doctor. See? He was already bored with this concept that nobody wanted him. And exactly. His parents tried very hard to raise money to pay the hospital bill and did so by having Jackie Chan beat himself up in the hospital ward. <laughs> the first Look in the nursery. Which one's the yours? fighting to give up the baby to the delivering doctor. <laughs> Take our baby. No, I will not. It is dishonorable. Hoo-ha! Throw baby attack. No, I block your baby. Take back baby. Ha-ha! <laughs> Throw baby attack. Who's the baby beating himself up with the rattle? Ah, that is Jackie Chan. <laughs> Jackie did not like school so much, and he left after finishing primary one. Because he was too injured to do anything else but. But to be fair, in China, primary one is when you're 17. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, at the age of seven, Jackie's life changed direction as he studied at the Chinese Drama Academy. See? Studying and working 19 hours a day under okay. the famous Chinese opera master, Yu Jim Wen, which means you beat me. Can you the students <laughs> practiced kung fu, stunts, flips, and somersaults, and helped with cleaning and washing up. See? Jackie yeah. was named Yuan Lu, or Pathetic One, by his master, <laughs> together, with, together with six other pupils whose names also had the same prefix, Yuan, Yuan Long, which means pathetic guy, Wen Tai, which means pathetic crap, Yuan Hua, which means pathetic cook, Wen Mo, which means pathetic man, Yuan Kua, which means pathetic chef, and Yuan Biao, who means the other pathetic one. They were chosen for success. Jackie, come here. It's time for you to leave. You have reached mastery of failure. Thank but you, Master, sensei. I cannot decapitate myself as you can. Someday you will learn to remove your head from your own neck in the way that I have. <laughs> Once Jackie has had established his own acting style. Yeah, which is well, we've already fun. described that. We've already described that style. But his own acting style is to talk about what a crappy actor he is. He's like, I cannot act. I'm horrible. He's like, you're brilliant. Can you do that again? I'm a terrible actor. Brilliant. You can see the beating that his face has taken, self-sustained. Over <laughs> I mean, it actually is true that in shows, in films like Rumble in the Bronx, how he's gotten famous doing all these little clips, you know, where all the outtakes where he's hurting himself on set because he does his own stunts. That's what it is. Everyone thought they were outtakes. But he's like, that's really the movie. And they're like, no, Jackie, we, we can't do a movie of that. He's like, no, but that's my style is to hurt myself. See, <laughs> I fall and I break my leg. And then I like, no, no, we can't, we can't do that. Self kneecap crack. Super pain inducing. 
<laughs> I mean, like <laughs> Bruce Lee versus Jackie Chan, who is better? Are you joking? Bruce Lee could kick three times in a second. Unless Jackie Chan could kick himself three times in a second, which is possible, I guess. <laughs> Here he's doing damage as the flying tiger, see? How do you know that's him? That doesn't look like him. I think that's him. That's, that's just survivor. some screaming guy. The band survivor. Oh, that's I. That's Jackie. Never mind. That's Jackie Chun. Actually, have you, you ever seen some of these things like in Walmart where they have these DVDs and it'll say like Bruce Lee and you're like, oh, for two bucks. Awesome. And then you look closer and it's actually Bruce Lee, L-E. And like they like only one Lee. And it's like some random different Bruce Lee. That's what this is. It's like the generic Jackie Chan. Jackie Chun. So Clea, of course, for the definitive answer goes to Yahoo Answers, <laughs> where we get response like this. What is Jackie Chan's martial art? It says, pretty sure that Jackie Chan is really into his cultural, that he is keeping it alive, just like the old materials, art fighting styles, and he may be the only one left to know how to master Drunken Fist. Then who else will bring us great movies such as Jackie Chan? Does he put actions at comedy in his movies and old materials art techniques? I always put actions at comedy in my movies. (laughs) He is a true legend, even greater than Bruce and Jet, since he not only created his own style of movies, but also he risked his numerous times to demonstrate the beauty of Kung Fu, Wing Chun, many other styles. It's a shame that he got old. I have risked my numerous times. As he's talking, he even, like, posts on his own message boards. The truth is Jackie Chan is very old and bad. He's a bad kung fu guy, and I hate him. It's like, signed Jackie Chan. <laughs> his, his trademark will die with him, and there will be no one in the future to even compete with Jackie? That's right, because no one wants to beat themselves up on <laughs> a regular that, that, basis. Ha-ha, evil laugh. <laughs> your style will die with you, Jackie. <laughs> no one will carry on your legacy of self-mutilation. <laughs> ha-ha. I mean, their style, one of his styles is called Bak Mei, which it says is white eyebrow. What the hell kind of style is that? I would have put you with white eyebrow. It was developed and... from bok choy. <laughs> yes. Tiny <laughs> lettuce karate. Brown nose hair. White that... eyebrow? What kind of a style is that? You know, that I, that actually, I think, I think that in this age of branding and marketing, what we have missed out on here at the MEP Report is we need a MEP Report fighting style. I mean, we have we have like we have a lot of official map report. We have map report site, we map report blog. We have like the emu peck of the week. I think we should we create our own report form of fighting style yeah. I, because I nominate, because emus fight people. I nominate capoeira, which has a somewhat mediocre significance in map history. Capoeira? Why? I don't remember it. A story once mapped from a capoeira bar. Oh, yeah, no, we have to make our own. We have to make our own style. You can't just steal it. Effort. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Just look at the you do. You have like an '80s training montage where someone duplicates the fighting style of an emu. It's not that hard. Peck, Emus left. are nasty, man. Shuttle right, bury head, bury head, <laughs> bury head. Run away, run away. Head in sand. <laughs> in See sand. no evil, smell no evil. Eat sand. <laughs> emu gland, emu gland fight, emu gland attack. Yeah, they clearly would be projectiles a la Voltron having the exploding lion head fists that would somehow not be destroyed. Well, that's like that's like the sea cucumber, right? Like we've talked about before. It just shoots out its insides to escape. So the (laughs) ultimate emu mep attack is where it shoots its innards and its emu glands at the person in question. Yeah, it just shoots like a rare ostrich steak at someone from its insides and then they eat it and they saunters away. Delicious ostrich (laughs) steak. This is what you wanted anyway. Here. (laughs) A rare ostrich steak. (laughs) Rare ostrich steak attack. Go! Venison burger dispenser attack. Uh, <laughs> so are you saying that we would defeat our enemies by saying, okay, I realize you don't really want to fight. You just want to eat me. So here you go. I got a little sample that should, you know, take care of The rest of me is too tough and stringy. What you want is this rare it's ostrich like, steak. That's like straight from Sun Tzu in the art of war. It's like if enemy approaches, give him more than he would ever have asked in the first place. <laughs> 10% of food is better than all of food. Yeah, here, I mean, mother. Here, mugger, have a house. What? <laughs> I cannot have a house. You will have my house. Live in it. <laughs> Now you have been defeated. I am a mugger no more. Now I must protect my own property. <laughs> and you're like, this is great, except that I only have one house. <laughs> like you only can do that once. You're like, just this, this is 100%. Lesson. It is. It's true. You're like, look, I'm just going to walk through like the most dangerous city streets, and I'm just going to walk along until someone attacks me. Then I give them my house, and it works once. Then the next guy who's like, hey, give me your wallet. You're like, um, have my my bike. He's like, no, give me your wallet. <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> Or do you, you just give the same house? Ultimate moral lesson, then you've served your purpose as a human being, and you are no longer oh, okay. useful. 
Well, no, maybe you just give the same house over and over again. Like you carry multiple deeds and you keep giving them the deed to a house. And then eventually all the muggers are there and they just all fight each other. Well, maybe that's unless part of they're the... like monopoly deeds. I don't know how many people would have access to. But I think that uh, it's more like a bee with a stinger. It's like your stinger is your <laughs> ultimate moral lesson. And once you give that out, then you serve no purpose. <laughs> then that's it. You're done at that point. You're like, boy, he really wanted to teach you a lesson. He only has one of those, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah, now I have a Ferrari. What am I going to do with my life? <laughs> I can't be a crack addict anymore, not with a Ferrari on my hands. It doesn't make any sense unless you're Richard Pryor. So, you know, I was thinking about talking about these specific styles. It reminds me that I bought into horrendously into this obvious stereotype, but Russ, you'll probably understand why I did. I was down in Florida for a conference this past weekend, and we went on Sunday to Epcot, and I had never been to Epcot before, oh! and obviously Cenevi never has either. So we went to Epcot and we're looking around and obviously Epcot has all these different little, you know, mini countries that are supposed to, you know, be examples of the country that they're that they're from, Norway and China and Japan. So we're walking along and first of all I just want to point out that one of the things that we saw was a supposedly a Celtic band with kilts playing Celtic music, which I was willing to buy and I even had like an electric bagpipe. I was totally willing to buy into it until they started doing taking care of business. I'm like, okay, in no planet is taking care of business either Celtic or Canadian or whatever else you want to claim. So, But the next thing that we saw was this big five-level temple, which mm-hmm. was, I think, from Japan. And immediately I'm just like, all right, so what we have to do is beat the mini boss on each level. And when we get to the top, <laughs> then we fight the big boss. Exactly. I knew you would get it. I knew you would get it. But I'm obviously just buying into a stereotype there. It's not true that every temple has um, mini bosses to fight. That's completely ridiculous. Uh, the and, new stereotype um, is that they're all gift shops, which is the one that you're speaking of. It's just a that's, store. Could very well Japanese be. Tchotchkes. But apparently, and by the way, David Cassidy was the musical act in Epcot too. But apparently the deal is that these places, these these, uh, they all are paid for by the nations in question. Like the nations no. wanted to be involved. Are you serious? Yeah. So like that's why you have only like fairly rich countries there. Like that's why there's no, you know, like – you know, Ethiopia is not represented here, you know, and neither is like uh, Ecuador is not going to be seen there or something like that. Right. So you've got like Norway, China, Japan, you know, countries that want and can okay, afford wait. being there. Now yeah. I have now that we have this theory, I have to start poking holes in it because, OK, but there's no Russia in Epcot Center, right? Well, but see, when they were putting this together, it was this kind of in the middle Cold of the Cold War. War. Okay. Exactly. So I don't think they'd be like, can you help us capitalistically? No, it's, it's not a theory. It's true. Yeah, right, it's, it's well, true. It's what he well, said. Based on your true theory, I have another point to make. Uh, Then why wouldn't nations like super rich nations that don't have a great deal of publicity, a la Kuwait or the United (laughs) Arab Emirate, why wouldn't they want a presence in Epcot? Again, this was was created back, you know, a while ago. Kuwait has had money a long time, man. They have money. Oil. They, want, they don't want to have anything to do with the infidels. They don't want the infidels to come and visit them. No, that's not true. I think they probably were just like, why do we need to be like represented in Disney? Like, and, do like, they the want people being tourists? The Islamic or Arab culture in Epcot is Morocco, right? And that's sort of Exactly. Like, which was cool, by the way. Yeah, and I had, I had uh, falafel in Morocco when I went to Epcot. <laughs> did you really? I did. I did. It was pretty horrible. I mean, it looked like the, you know, maybe the best quality food available because you could go to France and get like, we have cheese melted on cheese and i'm like i don't <laughs> want a cheese on well, cheese we have plate. we have we have friends who are big uh, disney buffs and they uh-huh. they they informed us of where the best meal is in epcot and it's actually i guess in canada it's the steakhouse wow right. interesting so yeah. better healthcare. Yeah, the Britain was like soggy fish sandwich. No, actually, no. Britain they said is the second best there, which there. shows you it's a it's a magical amusement park, not, right. not the real world. Right. But I mean, like the thing about but they also said the French was was third best. Was third best. Mm. Yeah. So that was the other thing about Epcot was as we were looking at these going around looking at these different countries. The stuff that you could get there, apparently, the, even like the gift shops and stuff are, you know, run directly by, you know, rep, obviously representatives of the country. So, like, you're supporting their government to a degree. So, what, at, in a Karate Kid 2 moment, uh, we got the drum, you know, the drum that Miyagi uses to uh-huh. teach um, Ralph Macchio to do that, that oh, move, which yes. I still don't understand even now. The drum punch, yes. um, and so we were able to get one of those for with both arms and defeat karate masters. <laughs> exactly, by because something about understanding a drum. But that's but I but heard that's what that it was. Epcot now so. is is adding they not everyone can get their own pavilion, but they can add um 
they're just like little kiosks like <laughs> thick, uh, <laughs> like the ki- korean kiosk yeah like i think uh, no like i think africa like is oh like a kiosk can we have a kiosk <laughs> so sad <laughs> oh my god anyone want a dream doll for voodoo anyone they should totally just abandon any attempts at sell hot diplomacy. dogs don't have hot dogs have dream dolls <laughs> But they should totally ban any attempts at, like, trying to be diplomatic and just be like, enter the developing world's area. And then, like, any country in the developing world is like, what? What do you mean we're developing? Every developing world exhibit is run by a Mexican with a hot dog cart. (laughs) No. Mexico, I guess. I I guess a few rides. We didn't really do too many, any of the rides. We did two rides that weren't either one of them were country-based. But I guess a few of the rides have been modernized, one of which was Mexico. Yes, apparently the Mexican one was, according to our friends who were being about this, was like incredibly stereotypical. Like basically you'd you'd be going through Mexico and then you would see like you know, a burrito and then like some random guy in a Mexican hat would get up and be like, ay, 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 and then like leave the screen again, like the most stereotypical version ever. That's not exactly how they <laughs> that's described more or less it. How they described the it. second half is taken directly from the movie The Three Amigos. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and now three representative Mexicans and Steve Martin works out and like <laughs> sombrero and Martin Short. Hi, I'm Lucky Day from Mexico. <laughs> Who's the third of the Three Amigos again? Debbie Steve Chase. Martin Short. Huh? Chevy Martin Chase. Short. No, Chevy Chase. Is the, I said Martin Short. Yeah, Chevy oh, Chase. Oh, Chevy is the Chase. Third yeah, uh, okay, I figured you'd okay. remember Chevy Chase, but I guess not. No, I, I like many. I people. guess Chevy, Chevy Chase is actually a nobody now, and Martin Short is bigger than either one of them now. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, I yeah, guess Chevy so. is like a side actor on that NBC show Community. Um, one of the oh yeah, lead-ins yeah, yeah. to The Office, which I also I've have, seen don't previews. Watch. Yeah, I w- I watch The Office. Um, no, that is the one show that I watched. The Office. Oh, oh, oh! I also started watching Thirty Rock. I've heard a lot of good things, but I it's, it's not is, enough it's to good. persuade me to make. I I same with me until I until my TiVo recorded like the first five minutes of it after Office, and I, I was like, you know, why why am I not watching this? This is actually funny. Mm-hmm. And then oh, I started watching it. This reminds me. Thanks to my TV, well, my DVR, my uh, generic TiVo, I've actually started watching episodes of Star Trek: The Next Generation for the first time since I was let me uh-huh. twelve or thirteen. Yeah, and they suck, don't they? I can't believe how good that show was. <laughs> it was so good. It's so much better than anything that exists anymore. I can't believe yeah. the quality of this show and like how disappointing in comparison like Voyager and Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Enterprise, like all completely lame, terrible, soap opera-esque knockoffs. Like TNG was really in-depth stuff. It's really good. That's so funny because that's actually I, – I saw an episode for the first time a couple of days ago that I hadn't – you know, I hadn't seen Star Trek Next Gen in a long time either. I had the exact opposite reaction. I watched it and I was like, this is far more lame than I remember. And, you know, for all of the bitching about how the original series is a bunch of people sitting around a boardroom table talking about what they're going to do, that's exactly like what half of this show was. Everyone's sitting around going, Mr. Data, what do you think about this? Well, Captain, blah, blah, blah. All right. What do you think about this, Jordy? Well, maybe this. Okay. Well, meet back here in five minutes. I have like, a question. Was it from the first – crappy season of tng where they all have the skin tight suits and nobody knows what anything that it does i think it was was like 91 or 92 third third or fourth season they have very distinct this first season a very distinctive crappy look to it so you know i didn't even watch the first season when it first came out i don't think but in general terms i think i've always kind of had that feeling that would be the case especially like deep space nine and some good episodes but yeah like voyager and enterprise was always kind of like but i I totally had the opposite reaction both of you voyager was actually good really Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't I watch it. I didn't watch it until afterwards because I had felt the way that you felt. I was like, oh, and then I have a cousin who's a huge trekker buff, and she was like, no, 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 actually, it's good. It's even better in some instances than Next Generation. And I saw a few episodes, and I did actually like some of the things they were doing. One of my actually most philosophical ones I saw was a Voyager where two guys got combined on they were they were um, doing a transporter they were being transported and there was a transporter malfunction and their bodies were combined into into a new person what and the whole wasn't some mutant with like a head and a half and three arms no no their genes 
No, no. Been like the fly. It, sh- it maybe it should have. Be afraid. Rest. Be I'm very, sorry. very afraid. But no, he <laughs> was his own person, and so the whole episode was one them trying to figure out what went wrong and whether or not they. Could oh, we won it. this this semifinal debate round in hybrids. This is the remember we we debated against this case and won it. Well, wait, wait. This is another reason why Cleo likes that it. The new person had a completely independent consciousness. Yes. Correct. It wasn't just a combination of the person. Yeah, you can't think the, about it. No, too no, hard. no, 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 no. He was a combination. He was his own person, but it was a combination of the other two people. As if they had a child? Kind of. Yeah, you can't think about this too hard. It's Like, he also down. had their mem- No, but it was like he had their memories. He had. He was the combination, for instance. You know, he, he felt love for one of the guys is married. He felt love for her. And he was his own person, and they had to make the decision to kill him in order to get the other two That's back. so weird. Why would he be an independent, like, new person? Why wouldn't he be both personalities struggling against each other to control the body that they now have fused yeah, together? Yeah, like, that much would be like Steve, Steve Martin, Martin in all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, which itself was a remake of a lousy, like, science fiction, you know, crap film that, that I remember yeah, seeing. Yeah, but that was a good movie. But, like, the thing, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there was but another anyway, I've Voyager seen, episode that was decent. That was I like was a too. huge Next Generation buff. And since and now because I've been married to Greg, now I watch it and I'm like, oh my god! Now you're so... deprived of TNG. You're not allowed. <laughs> well, you're no, I, I watch it. And I'm like, I'm watching. <laughs> I'm like, listen, woman. I've already told you there'll be none of this and there'll be none of that. And then again, I slap the remote out of her hand. Time to podcast. Time. Put those pods and pants down. <laughs> god damn it! No, put some flip flops on and get out of the kitchen, would you please? Now stick your face in front of the microphone and make with the funny. Time to podcast. Either that or go Jackie Chan on yourself. You'll just have to do it. You beat your wife, sir? No, my wife beats herself. What? That's all part of our training. She's been trained in Jackie Chan style. But yeah, I mean, it's. it's... Yeah, I don't like Next Generation now. Oh, okay. Stop. Stop this. Madness. Madness. Okay, I'm going to tell you about one episode that I saw this week. That okay, so tell me what you saw, and maybe I'll. I mean, there's a few that I remember that I really that I still do like, but there are a few where I have to agree with. They're kind of boring. Okay, here's an episode that profoundly affected me, and it was just okay. another T-vote episode of TNG that I happened to watch. Okay, um, which is it, it comes into that that debate of identity, which you mentioned in the the Voyager episode. Is it the one where um, the Doctor falls in love with this ambassador, and then but turns out he actually is kind of like a parasite that lives in the body. Oh, and you the mean body the ghost? Dies. No. You mean the ghost slash parasite? The specter? That sound, that, that sound you hear is like people's podcast all right. turning off all over America. Hey, <laughs> this is classic television. All right. So click, this, click, this, click, the click. episode was uh, Enterprise floating through space comes upon some strange beacon from an unknown source. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we just talking about this. Although this premise is the premise of about 15 different TNG episodes, so I don't know if you know what it is. <laughs> They're like, it's a beacon. What do we do? <laughs> Send out a probe. Fire it. Eat the probe. Power's down. Oh, is that where John Luke lives a whole life on a planet? Yes, that's it. That's yeah, yes. that, is, that oh, no. is a very good one. I did. I, it's it's very funny that you brought that up because we were we Greg and I were talking about this. He was saying the whole thing. This show's so boring. And I was like, you know, I have to agree that watching these things, I, I have found that them to be somewhat lacking. However, you can't discount that one show where... John Luke lived That's a whole a life. Episode. I mean that that is a, a beautiful episode. There's two, and it's, it is a great. episode. I'm going to do a synopsis for anyone that's listening and not doesn't have an automatic index of TNG episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah, everyone so, else, all all the like real Star Trek people have already just been like, well, you totally got that wrong because actually what happens is it's not a beacon. It's a you know. Yeah, yeah, right. It's not a beacon. It's a library. It's an ancient library. Um, so yeah, so they find the beacon. Nothing happens. It sends out a pulse and knocks Picard out unconscious. And Picard wakes up in a completely different planet, in a different world, in a different time um, with a wife who is trying to convince him that he's just been really sick and feverish. And that's why he is acting all weird as if he's some Star Trek, star, starship captain who claims right. to be Jean-Luc Picard. And she's like, you're Cayman. What the hell's wrong with you? You're Cayman. He's like, I'm not Cayman, you bitch. I'm Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> and he says, bitch, <laughs> look, you, look, you hope. Are, are there any communication devices? She's like, the line must Cayman. be drawn here. Must be drawn here. But it's so hard to watch because, I mean, he's only unconscious for a half an hour on the ship, but in his own mind, he's living yeah. a life as this other guy. And yeah. so after five years... 
of being in this other life, after assuming that he was a prisoner, he begins to believe, yeah, it probably was just a daydream, and I probably wasn't this guy, Jean-Luc Picard, and Mm -hmm. I clearly am this guy, Cayman. And he lives 30, 40, 50 years. He becomes an elderly man with children and grandchildren, like on a dying Mm -hmm. planet, completely invested in this other world. And then when the simulation's over, the whole purpose of which was to maintain the memories of some lost culture that was what the beacon was for to like put the culture's memories into Picard so he could tell the stories of this culture but he wakes up on the bridge of the Enterprise after having lived 50 years as some other guy and he doesn't know who he is anymore he barely remembers the rest of the crew of the Enterprise and they send him back to his quarters and he's like freaked out he doesn't recognize anything and he's he's like an old man who's been sent to captain a ship and it's like holy crap that is disturbing to think of how this idea that this culture had to save their species, or at least the cultural memory, involved yeah. brainwashing a man and basically torturing him and imprisoning him. For well, he got time. to learn how to play the flute. Yeah, I, and I actually took it a different way. As I recall, the episode isn't that creepy. As I recall, he comes out of it I being love like this is the way honored Russ that he and that he comes this out honored that he gets Russ to live his it. life. And the, the cast, that he... he's brainwashed. He's a zombie. He's living yes! life with someone else. It's scary. But I thought he liked that. I thought he no. liked that he was honored with that option. Right. Like the he was, final scene of the episode is Picard sitting in his room, which is completely foreign to him, and he's like in a fetal position with this flute that was recovered. Fetal position. Basically, is it's not like true. all curled up in a ball. This is and, so funny how he sees it. Oh my god, Russ. The only thing that's left is this one artifact they found on the beacon, which is the flute that he had learned how to play in this fake alternate reality. And he he sits there in fetal position playing the flute because the only thing that comforts position. him because in his mind he's an old man who's just raised a daughter and taught her biology and forgotten everything that a captain does and has no idea what to do on the Enterprise anymore. And I feel like between episodes, he had to go through like two months of rehabilitation to get over this experience of brainwashing. It's messed up. Oh, man. I mean, I... Oh, wow. Dr. Crusher becomes alarmed when she realizes that that, uh, Picard's metabolic rates match those of an 80-year-old man. Yeah. It says, he's only been oh, unconscious see, the, for 25 The one minutes. that I always liked to bring... See, this is so funny, because I remember this episode. It's a beautiful episode, but that's that's sad. But uh, the one that, that I always love to, to mention is the one I thought you were you were first going to say, which is um, Dr. Crusher falls in love with this ambassador, and then he becomes ill or something, he's he's dying, and they, they at that point realize that actually the actual entity is a being that's living inside of the being that she, the body that she knows and so in order to keep him alive they try they put him in this kind of vessel to hopefully try to keep him alive but it's not working so then they implant him in um number one in Riker. yes why why and Riker volunteers for this he volunteers so then they proceed to have you know this this uh, romantic sexual tension because she had been had this really romantic sexual relationship with this guy but they're trying to stay away from each other because he's in the body of of her colleague Mm -hmm. and then finally they they the sexual they can't keep back anymore so they come together and blah 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 blah. and then the ambassador's replacement body shows up and it's a female oh damn now she's all like has to go lesbian to fix everything and that's how the episode ends. Is, and every male is, tunes in is like, no, 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 no. What happens is the female shows up and she's like, oh, well, I guess it's not going to work then. All of, this, all of this supposed, oh, my God, I love you. Da, da, da. You're in my colleague, but I can't take it anymore. And then it suddenly doesn't matter now because he's in a female and the episode ends like in a matter of like 30 seconds. Which like, is oh, ridiculous well. because yeah. Star Trek also tackled a very similar uh, issue in another episode where they encounter a race of androgynous beings who, some of whom want to assume sexual identity with either male or female, but they're very discouraged to. It's like, of course, it's like a social commentary on like gay people and whatever and, and expressing their mm-hmm. sexual identity. And Riker falls in love with one of the androgynous beings who like expresses female traits and characteristics and then they have the secret affair and then they the, her culture finds out about it and they put her through the brainwashing that you go through when you're found to have expressed gender identity characteristics and then Riker's devastated so they uh-huh. totally like address the issue of like oh well we're in the future and of course we all have these like very yeah but it's the same thing though when she get, I mean it's not like he falls in 
you know, I mean, it's like she turns somewhat male and he says, it doesn't matter to me. I still love you. Yeah, I guess that's true. Right. This other one, which I, which I just found, which is my favorite one, which is one of the ones that, you know, my dad and I both sort of thought it was one of the best ones was uh, called Darmok, which is about basically it's the one where the whole planet has a language based on stories. And Picard has to basically figure out what's going on. And it turns out the way they communicate is by basically explaining the titles of stories. And that, you know, is sort of this reference point that allows you to understand that they want you to do whatever it was that happened in that story or something like that. Really intelligent, smart stuff that again is one of those things that's unusual and only really kind of happens on shows like star trek so and then there was also the amnesty international uh you know inspired one where he watched all these like torture footage things and the the famous there are three lights which we've talked about before <laughs> there are four yeah. lights thing yeah but that too i mean so there were a lot of good moments in it i think it's just i was reminded about how much slower paced than i remembered it being yeah. which only i mentioned only because i'm so sick of hearing that about the original series oh it's so slow paced when this was actually a lot of next gen was slower paced than well, the original Series, Isn't that because the episodes were an hour long and they just, you know, couldn't always, you know, keep the action going for that entire time? Well, but, was but original, I always thought the action... Was the original ones an hour long or a half hour? The original ones are an hour long, sure. I okay. mean, they were, you know, whatever that works out to, 40 minutes in equivalency right. or 45. But yeah, I mean, it's the same length as the new ones. Wow, this episode so. uh, had the uh, debut performance of Ashley Judd. Yeah, there you which, go. Which episode was that? This is the, the one, one Darmok, the one I'm talking about. Oh. See, it, it even says, in this, uh, Picard retells part of the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is why my dad liked it. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, you know, how awesome is that? <laughs> so, uh, um, the yeah, only absolutely. memorable episode at all of any of the Star Trek uh, sequel series was there was one episode of Deep Space Nine where the base chief, whose name I forget, um, had to... Exp- Cisco, right? Is yeah. it Cisco? Cisco had to explain to an alien race who didn't understand the concept of linear time. So the way that he explained linear time was by um, taking them uh, in a holographic pod or whatever, and then they watched a baseball game. And the baseball game was their design. See, this game wouldn't make any sense if you knew the outcome and you knew what happened before. Why play? The reason that you play is because any of these things could happen at any given time, and that's the anticipation. And hence, linear time is cool. And they're like, oh, we love baseball. We understand. I was like, yes. <laughs> and baseball. That's perfect. How cool is that? Well, and, you know, and there were some other, I mean, I do remember that there was an episode in uh, Enterprise where these people, this this um, machine uses, uh, basically uses emotion to manipulate people. And so it's almost like a matrix kind of thing where you get hooked into this kind of computerized system. And uh, so it gets its power, and I'm misremembering this, but it's, I'm sort of paraphrasing the parts that I remember of it. It gets its power through feeding off the emotions of the crew members. So eventually, um, Janeway, the captain of the Enterprise, figures this out. And so what she essentially does is she figures it out and she's gotten all of her people out, which means that the program is basically going to die. So the last thing you see is this sort of physical representation of the computer saying, uh, you know, as the whole thing is fading to black, saying, I'm afraid. And she's like, I know. And then the episode ends because you know that, like, the computer's dying. I was like, that's kind of... I'm pretty awesome. Sarah through strip plays and or whatever. And it's like, right, exactly. And then there's I'm a bunch afraid. of monkeys jumping around a monolith. I'm what? afraid, <laughs> Dave. I'm afraid. Full of stars. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of slow-paced science fiction, my God. But yeah, well, see, so that's that's what TiVo has brought back to you, Russ. TiVo has it brought has. back to you because the I said next generation. I said, look, if TiVo right now is responsible for saving episodes of my wonderful girlfriend of. Uh, of uh, runway project runway and American <laughs> Idol and uh, Diary of the American Teenage Girl. No, and, only Project Runway. None of this other stuff. American Idol. Then, then yeah. I should be able to DVR things that I wouldn't normally watch when they come on. And like, and I, and I started. I never watch the Tosh .0s that are on my DVR. What show would I watch if I just found it saved off my DVR every time? And I'm like, Star Trek: Next Generation. And clearly, they're being syndicated somewhere. And you so you thumbed up the whole thing like three yep. thumbs up like always do yeah, yeah yeah and I was like give super good triple good plus good <laughs> given how much I dislike watching television other than sports and movies movies I like and I will absorb new movies and sports I like and but television shows very rarely capture my attention unless it's like Deadwood on HBO or some other series that seems 
more than because I just think that regular television is so limited by the FCC and the rules and the sponsors and the corporate overlords that have to implant certain messages in the propaganda that goes through the face of their franchise or whatever. And so it's rarely is it, you know, something that's authentically good. And so I was like, well, what could DVR, what possible use is it? And so I said, ah, vintage show, Star Trek syndicated. Give me all the Star Treks. Oh, you know, something that's something funny, maybe we could end on this, is that our daughter, Senevine, is growing up with TiVo. So she actually, her concept of TV is no commercials. <laughs> nice. So if we watch, like, the few episodes, the few times when maybe, I think I've done this, like, twice, and then I learned my lesson, where we were somewhere, we turned on the TV, and she's watching a show, and it got to a commercial, and she looks at me, and she's like, eh, Next, 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 please. mommy. Next, please. mommy. Next, please. <laughs> next, please. And we're like, um, um, this I is going to be a harsh reality, my dear. I can't click. I was like, this is real TV, Cinevine. That, yeah, that I tried to, like, to have that kind of discussion with a two-year-old. I was like, well, you right. see, Cinevine, this is this is real TV. This is like, <laughs> these are commercials, and I can't do anything about them. And she was like, um, mommy, no, just next, push the please. fast forward. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all. That's going to be like watching a terrible baseball game in the middle inning. It's like, you know, next, please. No, this is live, honey. No, next, next. (laughs) Back to good. Go back to good. No. Sometimes Uh, there is horrible right in the middle of good. Why? Why is there horrible in the middle of good? Who would do that? (laughs) Agenda is to put horrible in the middle of good. Well, horrible (laughs) makes people lots of money. Why? Why does horrible make money, but good is not good of its own good? It doesn't make any sense, mommy. What are you talking about? Why? (laughs) Why, God, why? Why, God, why? (laughs) What horrible world have you brought me into where horrible is in the middle of good? Well, because we do not want to be either horrible, we definitely want to be good and not horrible. I think we should, uh, it's about an hour and it means that it's about time for us to uh, be heading on our way. But we want to thank everyone for listening as always. And uh, if you have an opinion about one of these Star Trek shows that we've watched or about some other Star show, I had someone tell me at this conference that they didn't like Star Trek, but they like something called Blake 7, which I've never heard of. But I gather it was some crappy British Doctor Who knockoff that for some reason they thought was better than Star Trek. Talk about slow pacing. Sacrilege, exactly. English TV. English TV. The first six <laughs> right. <laughs> then please let us know. Keep listening. Keep checking out the site. Keep checking out uh, the different posts and uh, give us your feedback. And we will see you guys soon. Say goodbye, everybody. Mommy, the horrible is on again. Can you make it go away? No, I cannot. I have no power over this horrible. What? But you have the power against the horrible. Not this time. <laughs> there are four horribles. <laughs> I will grow up with the power of making the horrible go away. Don't worry, I will save everyone from the horrible. In the middle of good, there will be only good. The proceeding was a presentation of the MEP Report, hosted at www.mepreport.com. All rights reserved. In no way should any part of this show be construed as an invitation to buy, sell, or trade flightless birds, or reassemble Voltron, or at least not the stupid one of the cars. Please support the MEP Report by voting for the show at www.vitalpodcast.com, adding the show to your list of favorites at podcastpickle.com, and clicking on the Vote for MEP link on the MEP Report homepage to vote for us at podcastalley.com. Email us at Greg, Russ, Story, or Andy at MEPReport.com, and call us and leave a voicemail or a fax at 206-600-MEP1. That's 206-600-6371. And finally, please join the fight to stop the senseless farming of emu plants. It's immoral, it's unethical, and frankly, it's just a little bit gross. Just another day away